Take out your Bibles and turn to Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. We're almost finished with the third chapter. We just have this one little passage to clear up. This week, probably about five or six times, I was asked, well, what are you preaching on this, this Sunday? And I hesitated to even say what it was that I was preaching on because the very first thing is wives submitting to husbands. Oh, my goodness. All right, the world in which we live in, cannot, they cannot stand, the world cannot stand this idea of submission. And if that's not bad enough, he talks about wives submitting to husbands, and we don't like that very much. He talks about uh, fathers doing certain things and children's doing certain things. Then he gets to the very end of this passage, and he talks about slaves and masters. And so the modern people read this, and they hear this, and they say, look at how terrible the Scripture is that, that Paul wouldn't tell slaves to rise up and revolt against their masters So clearly, Paul is okay with the institution of slavery. Uh, And of course, we know that these were passages that were misused by slave owners in uh, the South here during the Confederate times uh, to actually keep slaves in line, and they misused this passage to do those things. Well, Paul is not saying that slavery is okay, and uh, there's various things in the midst of this passage that Paul is doing His primary focus through all of this is not on the condition of the individuals and what they're going through. His primary focus is on the Lord. One of the things that you're going to see as we read this passage is he says over and over and over, he says, do things for the Lord's sake, because of the Lord, what's pleasing to the Lord. You're going to see that over and over and over. And if you walk away from this passage thinking anything other than about the Lord Jesus Christ, then you've missed the point. All right, so today's passage, again, it's not a popular passage. It's not a popular thing for us to read, but maybe that's the most important reason for us to to read this and to understand it. If we only listen to people who agree with this, we'll never grow. And what's amazing to me is that some people read this passage and they'll, they'll read something like, wives, submit to your husbands, and they'll make it say the exact opposite of that, that wives don't have to submit to their husbands, even though Paul very clearly says that. We need to be very careful to listen to God's word, to let God's word stand in authority over us and inform who we are. And that needs to be a reminder to us as well. Paul has been going through the book of Colossians. He's talking about the excellency and the sufficiency of Christ. And then starting in chapter 2, he began to tell us about our response to the sufficiency and the excellency of Christ. He says, don't listen to false teachers. Listen to the good teaching. Understand what the gospel is. Have the focus on Jesus Christ. And then starting in chapter 3, he said, put off certain things, certain types of living. Put on, as we saw last week, other things, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Put those things on. Renew your mind in Christ. And he's given us these laws. And he said, Here's how you treat non-Christians. Treat them with gentleness and compassion and meekness. Here's how you treat other Christians when you gather together and worship. Forgive one another. And now he gets in and he talks about the Christian home, our closest relationships. And he talks about how we interact with each other. Now, I don't know how it is in your house, but Amy knows my heart better than anyone else. Because she lives with me day to day. She talks to me. 
And she knows what my heart is like. And so if you want to know what I'm like, you come to church and you listen to me speak and you do these things, and yet you still don't really know me. But if you really want to know what I'm like, go talk to Amy and she'll tell you what I'm like. Because she knows me better than anyone else, and I know Amy. And husbands and wives know each other. Parents, you know your children better better than anyone else. And children, you know your parents better than anyone else. All right? But he's shaking his head no. Because here's the thing. The children see what the parents are doing. And so if, parents, you are living your life in a certain way all through the week, and then you come to church and you live your life life differently, they see that and they know that. And they know who you truly are. Right? So Paul gives instruction to wives and to husbands, parents and children, and then masters and slaves. And we're going to talk about those things this morning. Let me read this passage to you. Colossians chapter 2, starting at verse 18. Give attention to God's good and kind word. And this is a good and kind word this morning. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything. For this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Slaves, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your slaves justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Let's pray and ask for the Lord's help in understanding this passage. Pray with me. Our Father, we thank you for giving us this word, and we thank you that it is truth, and it is good And we thank you that by it we can see the Lord Jesus Christ, but we need your help in seeing him more clearly. I pray, Father, that you would be pleased to minister the gospel of your grace to us through your word. And we pray, Father, that you would break us of our sin, that we might see where we fall so short of your glory, and that we might delight in that glory for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen. So... Very easily, we can break this passage into three sections. First of all, Paul talks about the marriage relationship between husbands and wives. Secondly, he talks about the family relationship between parents and children. And then thirdly, he talks about what I'm going to call work relationships in masters and slaves. So marriage, family, and work. Look at verses 18 and 19 very quickly as we talk about this marriage relationship. Uh, In other places in the Bible, Ephesians chapter 5 and 1 Timothy chapter 2, Paul goes into a little bit more detail about this marriage relationship and about all of these things that are supposed to happen. I won't read those things to you, but I'll point you to those to go read more about them. Uh, But very quickly in verse 18, Paul begins with wives and he says this, Wives, submit to your husband as is fitting in the Lord. So we know that the world hates to talk about these things, and these are the sorts of things that we'd like to skip over, and yet we can't. And so very clearly, Paul says, wives, submit to your husband. So what is submission? Notice what Paul doesn't say, first of all. Paul does not say, wives, obey your husbands. 
He does not say that. Submission, although related to obedience, is not like obedience. Who does he say to obey? He says, in a second, he says, children obey your parents. And he says, slaves obey your masters. Here, he says, wives submit to your husband. What is submission? Submission is willingly placing yourself under your husband's authority. Willingly placing yourself under your husband's authority. Now, he says this to wives because it typically is one of the hardest things for wives to do since you live with your husband and you know what he's like to submit to his leadership. Why? Because he's a terrible leader. Yes, we know that. Your husband is a sinner who does terrible and horrible things and he will make a wreck of your family. He will absolutely do that. It is promised. Why will he do that? Because he is a terrible human being. If you're shocked by that, you shouldn't be because that's the story of the Bible. Husbands are terrible human beings. Guess what, women? So are you. You are a terrible human being. You are submitting yourself to the authority and the leadership of another terrible human being. One terrible person submitting to another terrible person. Well, the world looks at that and they say that's madness. You've got to fend for yourself. You've got to take care of yourself. Don't submit to your husband. And yet God says to do it. Why would you do that? Well, let me just give you a little bit of background about this term submission. It's used primarily outside of the Bible in a military sense. And it talks about people who are in the military who get the orders from the general who get in line with the orders of the general. And they get in line for the sake of the good of the army. And if you don't listen to the general and you don't get in line with those other ones in the army, what's going to happen? Well, probably you're going to die because you're not listening to the instruction. And the ones next to you are going to die as well because they're not, you're not helping them and you're not guarding them. And you're not, uh, you're not submitting to the general's command. And the general's goal is to make sure that everybody is okay. So it's primarily used in that sense. And so, ladies... What you're doing in submitting to your husband is actually acting like a warrior going to battle. That you are putting yourself under his authority because that's the way that God has called and put together our marriage relationships to reflect his glory. Now, why do you do it? Again, do you do it because he's a good leader? No. Do you do it because he loves you well? No. Do you do these things because he's great? No, you don't do it. Look at what it says in verse 18. Submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. It is fitting for you to do those things in the Lord. And it's for the Lord's sake that you do it. You don't submit to your husbands for your husband's sake. You don't submit to your husband for your children's sake. You do it for the Lord's sake because it's fitting to do that. And notice he talks about that word fitting. He doesn't say do whatever your husband says. He doesn't say that you need to just listen blindly and be obedient and do those things just the way that your husband says it, but he says, do the things that are fitting to the Lord. And so if your husband asks you to do something that goes against God's word, then you don't do it because that's not fitting in the Lord. Because your first allegiance is to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you submit because you think about the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's asked you to do first and foremost. So he says, wives, submit to your husband first. And then secondly, look at what he says to husbands. Husbands... In verse 19, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Husbands are to love their wives. Now, 
that just maybe seems natural. Yes, we're supposed to love our wives, but it's no secret that men struggle to love well. And so it's not a shock to us, or shouldn't be a shock, that Paul needs to command men to do something that they're not very good at doing. Go and love your wife. And the word that he uses there isn't eros. It isn't love sexually. It isn't love um, like you would love a brother. It's love agape. Agape love, the way that God loves his people. It's a love that sacrifices for the good of his people, that gives up, that gives up everything for the sake of the other one. And so he tells husbands, sacrifice your life, your well-being, everything for your wife. And this is how you love her. Love her in that way. Love her the way, as Paul says in Ephesians, the way that Christ loved the church and gave up his life for her. So husbands, love your wives in that way. This is a lifelong dedication. This is a lifelong constantly moving and pursuing her and doing things for her, for her sake. And again, not because she's submitting to you. But he says, why do you do that? You do it for the Lord's sake, to glorify him. It's got nothing to do with the wife and how good she is at loving or submitting to you. And he says, don't be harsh with them. Uh, This is actually, I don't like that word harsh. It actually should say something like, don't be bitter with them. Don't resent them. Uh, in, uh, in the Roman or in the, yeah, in the Roman Empire, women were largely seen and wives were largely seen as property. They had some rights, uh, but usually husbands resented and were bitter against their wife because they were arranged marriages. They didn't want to be with them. And here Paul looks at those men and he says, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, I don't care what your circumstance is. You love your wife. You give yourself to her. And you do those things because of what the Lord has done for you. So wives are to submit, husbands are to love. And it's an opportunity for us to reflect on our own marriages. This is very hard to do. And what happens here in the midst of this as we talk about these things, as you hear God say these things, it actually exposes our sin. It exposes our heart. Because we're both really bad at doing these things. All of us are. But wives, you need to recognize something, that your husband isn't the problem in your marriage. And husbands, you need to recognize that your wife isn't the problem in your marriage. The problem is you are a huge sinner. And you forget that and you think the problem is the other one. No, you're the problem in your marriage. And this exposes the reality that we think that the problem is everyone else. When the Bible consistently says your greatest problem is your sin, not someone else's. And so here's the thing. Here's the reminder to us. Start with yourself. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church regardless of how she does or how good she is at being your wife. And wife, respect and submit to your husband regardless of how good he is at loving you. Why? Because it pleases the Lord for you to do those things. Because it's your service to the Lord. That's the first thing that we see is the marriage relationship. Secondly, we see the family relationship. And look at what he says here in verse uh, 20. Uh, Children, he says to you, Mark Ryan, he's talking to you. He says, children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. Paul is talking to a congregation of people and the children are there with the congregation. 
A lot of times we think that the children are not integral, integral or important parts of the fellowship of believers. But you and I need to recognize that Paul here addresses children and he expects for them to be obedient in the Lord. That they are just as much a part of our fellowship as you are, adults. Cherish these children. Notice that Paul cherishes them and he has expectations for them. So children, what are you called to do? You're called to be obedient to your parents. He doesn't say be obedient to your favorite parent, be obedient to the parent that you like the most, the one that gives you what you want, right? He doesn't say that. Uh, He says be obedient to both of your parents. Why does he ask you to do that? Because it says, he says it pleases the Lord for you to do those things. Children, your obedience to your parents is your obedience to the Lord. And then he goes on and he says this, and so this is again... Children, you need to listen to this as well. Look at what he says. He says in verse 21, Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Fathers, and some people think that this could be both parents. Um, The word is uh, joie pater, which normally means parent, but sometimes can mean any authority figure over a child. Um, But he says, fathers or parents, do not provoke your children. What does it mean to provoke them? This is the idea of you being larger and stronger, and you can, you can force your children to submit to your will because you're larger and stronger than them. And so what Paul is telling is, parents, do not abuse the power that you've been given. Do not abuse your size or your strength. Dads, don't abuse the loud voice that you've been given to get them to listen to you. You have the power in the relationship. And you're called as parents to not abuse that power. power. Dads, how, do you not, how are you not to do this? Well, one way to do this is, dads, don't expect for your children uh, to do certain things that they are not able to do. Don't expect for your 11 or 12-year-old to be an 18-year-old. Okay? Amy and I at Disney World, we were walking around Disney World, and we saw a dad at 11.30 at night. It was 11.30 at night. He had a boy in a stroller. He was two years old, okay? He could not have been any more than two. And this dad was yelling at this child at 11.30 at night, You are so ungrateful! Why can't you be like all the other happy children around here? It was 11.30 at night. They had been at Disney World all day, the happiest place on the earth. And the only one that didn't get the memo was the dad who was screaming at his child, expecting him to be an adult at two years old. That's provoking your child. Asking for your children to be what they are not. It also, and Sinclair Ferguson, one of my favorite pastors, said this, that expecting for your children to be Christians when you do not live a Christian life before them. Asking for your children to read their Bibles when you don't read your your Bible. Asking for your children to live as a Christian when you don't do that. Father, you provoke your children whenever you do that. Raising expectation levels past their ability is one way that you do that. So fathers, don't be what you are not. And don't expect for your children to be something that they cannot be. Don't abuse your power. Don't force things upon your children. But love them. Okay? What's the benefit of that? Um, Well, they won't become discouraged. They won't get disheartened. They won't look back on your relationship and think, Oh, my dad was such a bad guy. Uh, Many of us 
many of us are in that position now. We think back on our own parents. And we look back with bitterness and resentfulness because of how our parents treated us. And this is where, even though I've been talking to dads and children, well, guess what? All of us are children. All of us are called to still be obedient to our parents. How? Well, it's in the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and mother. Honor your father and mother. All of us are children. Uh, And all of us have an opportunity, especially in this congregation, to be covenant parents. To be a parent and to help out the other parents that are here. And so we need to be reminded of this as well. Even if you do do not have children, uh, you're called to be a covenant parent for the other children that are here. Don't provoke those children. Don't abuse your power. Love them. Share the love of Christ with them. All right. So then finally we see our work relationships in verses uh, 22 through 4.1. And it begins by saying, Slaves, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. Um, well, uh, how does this apply to us? Well, if hopefully you're not a slave. And actually, hopefully you're not a slave master. If you are, we have some things that we need to talk about. If you have slaves at home right now, we need to talk, okay? There's direct application to you uh, for this. Um, what we need to understand, though, is that the slave-master relationship was much like an employer and an employee relationship, uh, where slaves were the employees of their masters, the employers. And so here's the instruction that he gives to slaves. He tells slaves, be obedient to your masters. Be obedient if you work for someone, be obedient to them. Do the things they ask you to do. Obey them. How? Not by way of eye service. Don't just do things whenever they're standing in front of you and do it whenever they're checking up on you. But do it with sincerity of heart. How? Fearing the Lord. All of us work for somebody. Okay? And you look at me and you say, well, Kelly, you're the pastor of the church. You don't work for anyone. No. In fact, all of you are my boss. Okay? You are my boss. I work for Jesus. I work for this church. I serve the church. I also work for the elders. I am your employee. And I need to work for you, not just when you see me on Sunday morning. And that's a reminder to me for that as well. But what about you? You work for someone else. Don't simply work whenever they're looking at you. Don't don't work when they're doing an audit at, the, at your office. Don't just work and do the right things when they're in front of you, but do it out of sincerity of heart all the time. In verse 23, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. And remember, he's telling people who are in a slave relationship to do this for their masters. Also notice, he's telling masters and slaves in one church. In one church. So in that church, there are people who are masters and their slaves are with them. How glorious is that? That they're worshiping together. And Paul's instruction to them is just like this. So slaves, be obedient to your masters. Serve as to the Lord. Why? Because the Lord is the one that gives the inheritance. All right? And he says to them, look, if you're being mistreated... Uh, Verse 25, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Don't respond in vengeance to your master. Why? Because the Lord is the one who pays back. Trust in the Lord. Know that he is the one that's going to do it. So, if you're being mistreated as an employee, 
don't try to seek vengeance against your employer. That's a very practical application. But work for their good. Work for their sake. Work for the good of the company that you're working for. Why? Because you're really and truly working for the Lord. And then in verse 1 of chapter 4, he turns to the masters and he says to the masters, Treat your slaves justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. And again, what a church this is, that masters and slaves are worshiping together, that employers and employees, people in different tax brackets, worship together and share in the worship of the Lord together. It's an amazing thing to see this. And the thing that he reminds the masters, those that own slaves, that the gospel makes us all equal before God. And so he tells them, treat your slaves just with justice and equality. He says, treat them justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master. Treat them how you would want to be treated. Don't treat them as your property. Don't treat them according to what you think they deserve but treat them according to what you think you deserve. So if you have people working for you, if you are an employer, don't treat those that work for you as if according to what they deserve. Treat them according to what you think you deserve. What an amazing way that God commands his people to live out their lives. And again, this is the employee and employer relationship. If you're an employer, this is what you need to think about. How do you treat your employees How do you treat them? Are you fair with them? Do the people that work for you, are they paid well? Are you simply trying to get away with the bare minimum? There is nothing stingy or miserly or burdensome about the Lord Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, the Lord is the greatest leader that there ever was. And he came to serve, not to be served. And for the masters, he says, treat them Fairly and justly treat them as the Lord treated you. He came to serve. So if you have people who work for you, then you need to serve those people. The Lord Jesus Christ lavishes us with his love and with his grace. And over and over and over from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible, he doesn't just lavish us with grace and mercy, but he lavishes us with good things. At the end of time, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to invite us to a great feast. A feast that he pays for. He's buying all of the food. Food of the finest meats and the greatest cheeses and the best wine and all of these things. He is going to lavish us. And he currently, even now, is lavishing us with good things. He is our great master. So if you have people that work for you, how are you treating your employees And if you're an employee, if you work for someone, work for the good of your boss. I know, I don't even like to say that. (laughs) Like Garland used to work for Exxon. Garland, work for the good of Exxon. Like it just doesn't, it doesn't want to come out that way. but, But that's what God says here. Work for the good of your boss. Why? Because you're working for his good reflects what the good that the Lord Jesus Christ did for you, and that's your way of preaching the gospel to them. Our life, our relationships are a reflection of our hearts before God. If they're bitter and resentful against your husband or your wife, if they're bitter or resentful against your children or your parents, if they're bitter or resentful against your employer or your employees, 
then you don't have a problem with them. You have a problem with the Lord Jesus Christ. He gave his life for you. And your life is meant to be a reflection of that. Let me conclude very quickly by just pointing out a few things. This is heavy, isn't it? This is very heavy. So where's the hope for us? Let me remind you of the gospel. Your hope is not what you do for God. Your hope is not the works of your hands. Nothing in your hands you bring simply to the cross you cling. Your efforts and your work has not earned your standing with God. Your works, it's not about what you do to stay in your membership in the club of God's people. Because the finished work of Christ is yours. Your standing with God is because of what he has done for you. So if you feel the heaviness of your responsibilities and your relationships, good. What do you do? You go back to the cross. Be reminded that because of his finished work, that nothing can separate you from his love. Do you believe that? Do you believe it? And then we're reminded that because of what Christ has done for for us, today is a new day to live by God's grace. So go home, and here's what I want you to do. I, I want you to love your wives well, husbands. Wives, I want you to submit to, to your husbands as is pleasing in the Lord. Children, I want you to obey your parents. And parents, I want you to not provoke your children. Employers, I want you to treat your, your slaves or employees well. Employees, I want you to work for your bosses. But I don't want you to think about them. All through this passage, we're reminded, don't think about them. Don't think about the people that you're doing these things for. Think about the Lord Jesus Christ. Your work, your submission, your love is to them for what they've done. And then finally, we're called to the Lord's Supper here today. You're called as sinners. None of us are perfect. Some of you are very far from being perfect. I'm looking out and looking into something. All of you are very far from being perfect. No perfect person has ever been called to this table. Lousy husbands by God's grace, are called to this table. Terrible wives, by God's grace, are called to this table. Children who are disobedient to their parents are called to this table. Parents who provoke their children are called to this table. Employees and employers who don't work for the good of of others are called to this table to be reminded of what Christ has done in his service to us. It's not the righteous that Jesus came to call, but sinners. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for giving us this day. We thank you for this passage. It's a hard passage. Father, and it's hard, it's hardness actually reveals our hearts that we don't want to submit to authority, that, that we don't want to love well, that we want this world to be about ourselves, but it's not. We thank you for the reminder that this world is yours And we too have masters. We thank you for your son Jesus Christ that submitted to the will of the Father, sending him to the cross for our sake and for your glory. Father, we pray that he would be our focus. We thank you for meeting with us now during this supper. And we pray that he would be glorified in it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The elders come forward to prepare the table.